Tonight, God's Word comes to us from Philippians chapter 3. Philippians 3. Our focus tonight is going to be on verse 17 and following, but I'm going to begin our reading at verse 12. Philippians chapter 3, beginning at verse 12. What we hear now is God's word. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that what I have made made it my own, but one thing I do, Forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will also reveal to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me, And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many, of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved." Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, as we are looking at the second half of Paul's letter to the Philippian church, he is concerned with the call to joyful living. That's how he began the second half of this letter. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same thing to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Rejoice in what God has done for you. Paul reminds them that we put no confidence in the flesh. End of verse 3. We glory in Jesus Christ and put no confidence in our flesh. Although Paul says if you're looking for fleshly confidence, I have more than any of you. Yet Paul says, I don't don't look to myself, to what I have done, to who I am, to find my hope, my confidence, and my righteousness. No, he says in verse 9 that he would be found in Christ, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God. That depends on faith. That is where his joy flows from. Knowing that he has a righteousness given to him by faith. A righteousness from Christ himself. 
And yet Paul goes on to say, just because we have, we are now seen as righteous in God's sight, doesn't mean we have attained all of that yet. That's verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. No, he says, I must still strive. I must press on. He says in verse 14, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What was that goal that Paul pressed on for children? It was not heaven. The goal that Paul presses on for is Christ-likeness, is holy living. Really, in chapter 3, we get the heart of what Paul wants to say in the second half of this letter. letter. Brothers, join in imitating me. Live your life for Christ. Make him the most important thing in your life. Live up to what you have attained, he says in verse 16. How is it that we as Christians engage a fallen world? How do we engage in the very ungodly culture we find around us? Paul reminds them, verse 20, our citizenship is in heaven. And that truth, that reality that our citizenship is in heaven affects how we live in the world now. His call is to godly living. He reminds them, you are now citizens of a heavenly kingdom. But that citizenship is not only for some time off in the future. That citizenship affects how you live now in a fallen world. Paul says, verse 17, Brothers, Join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. We are to walk according to an example given to us. That that walk reminds us that the Christian life is a manner of living. It is a way of life. It It is living out the truth that we know. The Christian life is more than just intellectual assent to a number of truths. The Christian life affects how we live today. Now we talked this morning about the balance of the fullness of Scripture. We don't want to fall off on either side saying it's only important what you believe and how you live makes no difference, or to say it's all about how you live. No, the one flows from the other. Because we have this righteousness from God by faith, we are now going to live in a particular way. Our our theology has to intersect with our life. It can't be just a a series of propositions to which we assent. But, But the truth that we know must affect the way that we live. And so Paul says, brothers, join in imitating me, my way of life. 
And when he says, join in doing that, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to this example, he is reminding them that, that our life as Christians is not something we live alone. God doesn't leave us alone in the world, but we join together as his body. We join together as the church that we may be encouragers and that we may be encouraged by our brothers and sisters in the Lord. We don't have to find our way alone in the world, but God allows us to be surrounded by other like-minded believers. That is one of the blessings of belonging to the Christian church. We don't have to live our life as Lone Ranger Christians. We belong together as the body of Christ, fellow believers who will encourage us, who will help us, at times who will challenge us in our walk with the Lord. That, that, that fellowship we have together is not an absolute uniformity, but it is certainly a mutual accountability to the desire to put the Word of God into practice in our lives. How we live is very, very important. Paul says, brothers, join in imitating me. Now, when Paul says that, he is not holding himself up as the perfect example of what a Christian looks like. No, he is echoing the words he says also in 1 Corinthians 11, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Paul doesn't simply point them to himself. He points them to himself in that he reflects the truth of who Christ is and the pattern of Christian living. How we live must reflect the fact that we belong to Jesus Christ and we have the word of Christ. A number of years ago, there was a, a fad of wearing these uh, little bracelets uh, on your wrist and on those bracelets, maybe some of you have these or had these, on those bracelets it said uh, WWJD, uh, what would Jesus do? I'm not a huge fan of fads and certainly with regard to understanding the nature of our salvation, that's the wrong question to ask, what would Jesus do? But with regard to understanding how we live, how we apply the word of God, maybe those bracelets weren't so far off. What would Jesus have us do? How would he have us live? The call to following his example and his perfection of desiring to keep the law of God following Christ's standards, standards that do not change in spite of what society around us may tell us. We live in a society where you can pretty much set your own standards of morality. There is no absolute right and absolute wrong, and even if there is, that might change tomorrow. But Jesus Christ 
gives us eternal standards. A, a, a word that is the same today as it was for the Philippians, as it will be in the future. What is it that we as a church have to offer to a hurting world? We have the abiding and faithful word of God. That word which continues to tell us of the glory of salvation and that word which continues to call us to live our lives out of the faith that we have in Jesus Christ. There are many in the world who are looking for stability, who are looking for something they can hold on to. We can bring them the word of God. We can bring them this, this abiding truth, this call to faithful living, just as Paul called the Philippian church. Follow my example as I follow Christ. We are called as well to live in a way that brings glory to God. For Paul says, there are those who don't live this way. He gives a contrast in verse 18. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. He is saying walk in Christ-likeness. But he warns them. There are those who walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. And here Paul is not referring to those who are outside the church. We know those outside the church walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. He's referring to those who claim to be Christians, who would be part of the church, and yet their life, their walk, doesn't reflect that. He's warning them about, about those who, who misunderstand this call to righteous living. We saw that at the beginning of chapter 3. He warns them of those who would overemphasize the importance of the law of God. He says in chapter 3, verse 2, look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Those who said, you need to add something to what Christ has done to really be saved. They would, they would overemphasize the importance of the way that we live. Paul says, watch out for that. But the other side of that is watch out for those who would underemphasize the importance of the way we live. We call those today antinomians, those who believe the law of God has no place in the life of the believer. We are freed from the law. Paul says, for many, many whom I told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. They live. They walk as if the law has no place in their life. Paul describes them this way, their God is their belly. Now, what does he mean by that, children? Their God is their belly. Does he mean that they worship their stomach? No, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about their God is their desires. 
is their wants, their desires, and their greed. They want what they want, and it doesn't matter what anyone else wants. It doesn't matter what God wants. Their God is their own desires and their own wants. That's often connected with materialism, wanting things in this life. I want this and this and this. It doesn't matter how I get them. The Word of God still so applicable to us today. There are still those in the church whose, whose God is their belly. What would you give up for wealth? What would you give up for things? Would you be willing to compromise on on the time you spend with your family, the time you spend parenting your children, if there was economic upside to that? Would you be willing to compromise on, on the sanctity of the Lord's day and the priority of worship is if it was economically advantageous? What would we give up for wealth? Their God is their belly, their own desires, and their own wants. He says, they glory in their shame. They glory in the fact that they live outside of the law. They glory in their immorality and how we see that today as well. Sins Sins formerly we would not mention in public. Sins formerly kept silent, now broadcast in movies, on the television, in various websites. You, you watch a commercial on TV, and whereas before you'd probably see a husband and wife and perhaps a child or two and now on all these uh, montage flashes of families, we see husband and wife, husband and husband, wife and wife. Thing, things that normally in the past we wouldn't imagine are now broadcast. They glory in their shame. And this is those, those who did, are also found in the church. They live their lives as enemies of the cross. Paul warns against those who would say, it doesn't matter how we live. It doesn't matter how we live. We're freed from the law. No, we may not glory in shame. He says they have their minds set on earthly things. Remember back in chapter 2, what Paul said, chapter 2, verse 5. He says, have this mind among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus having the mind of Christ. He said, these, these have their mind on earthly things, on the things of the world. The things of Christ do not matter to them. And what is their end? Their end is destruction. Paul's warning. How we live is very important. How we live reflects the truth that we know. That we are recipients of the gospel. We are, we are recipients of the blessings of God and we need to live in a way that, 
that shows we know that. It shows we understand it. The call for us today to, to, if we are living in a way that is displeasing to God, if we do not have the mind of Christ, if we are glorying in our shame, if we are serving ourselves, uh, to repent, to change, to once again plead to God for his forgiveness, knowing he will hear those pleas and answer, and that he might work in us by the power of his spirit, that we might live out the truth of the gospel that we know. Because Paul says, verse 20, after describing those who have their minds on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. He reminds them of who they are. They are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Now kids, I don't know if you think about heaven very often, but when I think about heaven, one of the things I think about is that in heaven, God is obeyed perfectly. In heaven, God is obeyed perfectly. The angels, we read, do his bidding. And Paul says to the church, our citizenship is in heaven right now. And as citizens of heaven, we should look like citizens of heaven. That place where God's will is perfectly obeyed should be reflected in our life. He, he uses this term particularly, our citizenship is there. Citizenship was very important in the Roman world. Philippi was a colony of Rome. And as a Roman colony, they had particular privileges and benefits. And they were proud of the fact, we are Roman citizens. Even though Rome was far away, we claim that same heritage. We are a colony of Rome. Paul says, our citizenship is in heaven. Even though it may be far away, right now we have the privileges and the obligations of living as citizens of that kingdom. Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. This eager expectation for Christ to return once again, for Christ in his final coming to consummate his kingdom, to make it all that it was intended to be, looking forward to his return, the king coming back to to claim all of his citizens. When I was in high school, I forget what class it was, but in one of the classes, uh, we were asked this question. If you knew that Christ was going to return five days from now, how would you live? If you knew Christ was going to return five days from now, how would you live? And there's a sense in which I hope we would answer that question. I wouldn't do anything differently. 
we constantly live with the expectation of Christ coming again. We, we live for Him today, knowing He could come back tomorrow. We don't, we don't put off our service to Christ to sometime in the future. Oh, He'll come back in the sweet by and by, and until then we'll live like we, love, like we want. No, right now. Today we live with that eager expectation. Our king is coming back and we as citizens of his kingdom look forward to that day, long for that day, and live for that day right now. And so Paul says, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord. Stand firm. Our life here does matter. Our citizenship is in heaven, but our life is lived here on the earth. And what that life looks like matters in the here and now. God's call for us to stand firm in the truth that we know. Yes, Christ has come and done everything necessary to secure a salvation for his people. He's done all the works required. We need to do nothing in order to be saved. And yet having been saved, knowing that truth, we now live out of that salvation. Not simply intellectual assent to what he has done, but a life lived to the glory of God. That was Paul's call to the Philippian church. That is God's call to us today. To follow that biblical pattern. Join in imitating me as I imitate Christ, Paul says. How you live matters Live in a way that brings glory to God. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, stand firm in the Lord, because your citizenship is in heaven. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we do thank you and praise you for the beauty and the truth of your holy word. It is really beyond our imagination that our true citizenship is not simply here on earth, but our citizenship is in heaven itself. Help us to, to live into that reality. Help us to live in a way that reflects we are heavenly citizens, where your will is perfectly obeyed. Lord God, grant us the blessing of your spirit that we can live in a way that brings glory to you, that we can stand firm in the truth you have given to us. Hear our prayer, O God, for Jesus' sake. Amen.